Good afternoon, one and all, and welcome to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour, a conversation about men at home, at work, and at play, with your host, Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad. Every week, Doug is joined by fascinating guests who tell their own authentic stories and explore all that it means to be a man. And now, here's your host, Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, moms and dads, boys and girls, for tuning in today to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour on MileHighRadio.com. Typically a conversation about men at home, at work, and at play coming to you live from the studios of MileHighRadio.com right here in the Mile High City. I'm Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad, settling in for an hour of... Um, conversation that I'm very, very excited about and glad that we're finally doing this. I um, I was telling my guest today, John Penberthy, the uh, the author of the B book, To Be or Not to Be, and you got to, when you hear that, don't think Hamlet, think B-E-E, like something that buzzes from flower to flower, collecting uh, pollen, to be or not to be. And, and, and when I started this show going on two years ago, really this week, he was on my short list, and so sometimes, you know, when you've got an active author and uh, a flaky show host, it takes a while to uh, get both of us in the same room behind the mic, but I'm glad that uh, author John Penberthy is here with me today. We'll be talking about his book, To Be or Not to Be. I like to say there's a Zen buzz in the room today, and you'll learn more about that shortly. And if you're curious and if you're interested, I can tell you uh, where to get a hold of the book, the website and all. But uh, for now, since you're at your computer listening, if you would let other folks know, maybe send them an email and just put in the link milehighradio.com and encourage them to point their browser this way for my conversation with John Penberthy today, or uh, send him a quick text and say, hey, you might want to uh, tune in to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour on MileHighRadio.com because it sounds like an interesting show, or uh, hey, pick up the phone, you know, you can multitask while I'm babbling, you can be calling someone and inviting them. If you're interested, you can tweet it out and you can uh, use my Twitter handle, at Doug Gertner. Um, while you're at it, uh, at the Grateful Dads is is the Facebook, the Grateful Dads on Facebook, or just find Doug Gertner on Facebook and become my friend. Um, and if you're on the go, you can take MileHighRadio.com with you using the TuneIn Radio mobile app to listen on the go. Just uh, go to TuneIn Radio or to the App Store and download that app, TuneIn Radio, and then you put into their uh, search function there, Mile High Radio, and you've got yourself a portable uh, Mile High Radio app. When you uh, are online, you can go to my show page for The Grateful Dad, and all of our recent shows are archived there. If you want to hear in advance of next week, uh, when we'll replay it, the Jewish Deadheads discussion from last week, it's there. If you want to hear the previous uh, week's discussions leading up to the Whole Man Expo, Jim and Ruth Sharon, Sandra Walston, the Courage Expert, or Captain Coy Theobald, they are there, as is my conversation with bobblehead dad Jim Higley, my conversation with Dr. Abby Ferber about white supremacy. Dr. Sam Sappington has done a couple shows with me, including our most recent one where we addressed the question, can gay and straight men be friends? There's my conversation with uh, Mike Thompson in commemoration of the Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. There's my conversation with stay-at-home dads about uh, their work uh, at home and beyond. And my conversation with Rabbi Brant Rosen about the Middle East. All of it is there on demand on my show page at MileHigh. 
radio.com. As I said, uh, today it's Zen Buzz with John Penber, the author of To Be or Not To Be. Next week, you'll get to hear Jewish deadheads discussed in advance of the uh, Jewish Grateful Dead Fest retreat that's coming up next month. And on December 2nd, live in the studio for my second anniversary show, I'm uh, pleased to welcome Edgar Papke back. It'll be his third time on the show. He's uh, been one of my first guests. He commemorated my uh, anniversary with me last year on my first anniversary. And for this, my second anniversary show, we're also celebrating the release of his new book, True Alignment. So a lot to do, a lot to talk about, a lot to celebrate on December 2nd. As always, I want to thank our sponsors. You'll hear about them at the break at the bottom of the hour, Emu Consulting, the Men's Anthology, and also NOMAS, the National Organization for Men Against Sexism. Also, do check out the new link that's up, thegreatthanksgiving.com, just like it sounds, thegreatthanksgiving.com, where, you're, where you will hear about uh, my upcoming teleseminar and more information about how to join the Grateful Group, my mastermind four-month coaching group. I want to turn now to uh, something I do each week at this time as I reflect on what I'm grateful for. As you know, I call it my moment of gratitude. It reflects that every day I use my gratitude journal and I note those things for which I am grateful. And it just continues to remind me I have so much to be grateful for. And so today, as I continue my very busy month paying it forward with the great Thanksgiving, giving talks and uh, teleseminars and launching the Mastermind Group very soon, I want to pause and offer my moment of gratitude for a few of the best moments, both past and yet to come. I begin by saying I am grateful for the support and the reception that I've received during the nine gratitude workshops I delivered around Greater Denver and one in the high country during these past two weeks. It's been great. My message about the power and rewards of being grateful every day has really renewed me and it's bolstered me along with those whom I've offered it to. And I gratefully celebrate the next step in the process coming just a week before the Thanksgiving holiday as I prepare to offer a telephone seminar available to anyone who wants to make the most of every minute this season. I call the event How to Enjoy the Greatest Gratitude for Thanksgiving. And with gratitude, I ask you these questions. Do you truly enjoy the holiday season? Is the day of Thanksgiving a time of gratitude for you? Would you like to feel more thankful and less bloated after a festive meal? What would it take for you to fully appreciate and celebrate the holidays? And how can you find more enjoyment in the family and friends with whom you gather and spend Thanksgiving? With those questions, if you're curious and eager, maybe a little bit tentative, but ultimately interested in exploring the answers, then I gratefully invite you to join me for the upcoming teleseminar that I'm offering to share what I've learned about how to enjoy and be most grateful this season. As I mentioned, just go to thegreatthanksgiving.com to learn more about the teleseminar and register. And so gratefully, I once again look backwards and forwards at the month that I've had already filled with so much new and so much to be grateful for and ahead to the unknown but exciting prospects for celebration yet to come. So that's my moment of gratitude for this week, for November and all it continues to offer. And once again, I'm grateful to everyone for listening to the Grateful Dad Radio Hour today. I do encourage you to try to make a habit of being grateful.
The tune is called November Night, chosen as much as anything because I was talking about November. And I could play Name That Tune, Name That Artist with just about anybody on this planet and they would not get that. Uh, I know you didn't hear much of it and I don't even think uh, the the guys on commercial radio who claim to know music backwards and forwards would get this. That November Night there was done by the actor... And singer, apparently, Peter Fonda. Do you remember Peter Fonda? Hmm. Yeah, Haas looks up and he's like, I, I remember that's one <sighs> of my favorite. Writer, Easy writer, writer indeed. <laughs> so, you know, I think this is, it, it, it was a written by Graham Parsons, who, wow. you know, was a, a brilliant songwriter, of course, um, and, and, um, you know, a member of the birds and the burritos and all the rest. But, um, it's from a box set that my mother-in-law gave me. She's a, a music publisher in LA. It's the, the box set. You'll get the, you'll dig this name. It's Where the Action Is. And it's LA Nuggets from the Sunset Strip scene from 1965 to 1968. Peter Fonda was a part of that scene yeah. and he recorded a song. And so, um, November night to, uh, end my moment of gratitude. And uh, let me ask you that question, huh? Since you got your mic open, what are you grateful for this week? Well, I'm grateful for that knowledge right now. <laughs> I'm, I had no idea that Peter Fonda could sing. That's cool. Yeah, that's a little flashback from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, at the risk of sounding patronizing, um, I'm very sincere about this, but I am truly, truly grateful for all of these show hosts on Mile High Radio. Truly some of the finest people I've ever met in my life, um, even you, and, uh, and, and even, even uh, Geese, who follows you. Oh, yeah. But seriously, um, I, I'm, I'm truly blessed. Uh, I'm finally uh, at, at a stage in my life where I'm able to enjoy my passion. And for most of my life, I didn't know what my passion was. Well, I've discovered this is it. I love doing this. I love getting the message out um, that that we all do, and it would not be possible if it weren't for all the show hosts that we have, and there's about 30 of them. So um, thank you very much. Thank you, and you're welcome. And, uh, yeah, truly thank you for uh, having the station, running the board, putting up with me and Geese and the whole lot of us. And uh, gratitude runs both ways. And right now we got a little uh, gratitude triangle happening. I want to turn to my guest, John Penberthy. You'll meet him officially uh, momentarily. But, uh, John, welcome to uh, this segment of the show, my moment of gratitude and giving you a moment as well. What are you grateful for today? Well, as Haas was uh, uh, saying what he's grateful for, I thought, okay, what am I grateful for? And I think uh, right now at this very moment, the thing that strikes me the most is just the opportunity to be here with you, Doug, and uh, for the invitation that you, you uh, put forward and uh, to, uh, to, talk, to reach out to your listeners and to uh, tell them a little about uh, my my background, my experience, and uh, my spiritual path. So. Well, as I said, there's a little Zen bun- buzz that comes with the the B book, to be or not to be, uh, that we're going to be talking about shortly. And so, uh, I would have, uh, I guess, I would have expected uh, your moment of gratitude to be very in the moment, uh, as as uh, you know, your practice probably uh, helps you. Uh, be in. And so thank you, John. We're going to get back to this uh, discussion in a moment, but I want to add this. I'm asking my listeners uh, the same question. Take a moment, if you will, 
and consider what are you grateful for today, right now. Think about it. And if you'd like to get into the daily practice of being gratitude, you may want to go to my website. It's thegratefuldad.org. Hit the, the shop button, right? So thegratefuldad.org slash shop and get your copy of the Grateful Dad's Journal of Gratitude and start keeping a gratitude journal today. That's my request. That's my recommendation. And um, that brings us to the second segment of the show. Um, as you know from listening, every week at this time I give an update that I call the Full Circle Fatherhood Report. It's based on my contribution to the men's anthology titled Ordinary Men, Extraordinary Lives, Defining Moments, which is one of the sponsors of our show. And it's a book of uh, 40 men's stories. I contributed mine called Full Circle Fatherhood, uh, How I Lost My Mom and Became the Grateful Dad. And um, every week I try to just think in terms of being both a father and a son, how it came full circle for me. And so today's edition of the Full Circle Fatherhood Report is titled Letting Go. Because it was a real delight that we enjoyed last Friday evening when our son joined dozens of other members of the high school drama club to perform in a variety show. His comedy sketch, <laughs> I was pleased and delighted to see, drew the laughs that it was intended to. And when we caught up with Jordy afterwards, he was really, he was really jazzed about all of uh, the, the other acts as well as his. He was really jazzed. And of course, during our brief chat, he had to end it just as you might have expected saying, Hey, we're going to IHOP afterwards. Can I have some cash? <laughs> okay. So my son's a freshman and he's made friends with older students who drive. Just like that, we're into a whole new phase as a family, and as he navigates the social byways, Maggie and I are left to learn our role as parents in the process, and also how to let go. How do we vet his new friends, figure out who's who and who can be trusted? While they're not the typical nerds Jordy hung out with in the past, they seem like nice kids, into theater and poetry and such. And what about curfews and the rules of the road now that he's riding in cars with young drivers? So far, it's been pretty smooth. On this occasion, he agreed to be home at 11 o'clock, then texted to say it'd be a bit later. We waited up, of course, and were pleased to get a full report of the evening's activity, our reward for keeping lines of communication open with our son and not setting rigid or arbitrary restrictions on these early social adventures. And while this new phase began very recently, it's now been nearly 10 months since I lost my father and let go of our relationship and my role as his caregiver. I recognize the similarities with my son's new path, as in each instance I feel a combined sense of both loss and relief, a sadness and a joy, fear of the unknown, and excitement for the road ahead. In both cases, my son's growing up and my dad's passing on, I've had many years to prepare. When I took on the care of my father and moved him from Florida to Colorado, it was an unspoken truth that he was coming here to live out his days. And when I became a father myself and took an extremely active role in all aspects of caring for my son, it was with full knowledge and expectation that growing up means more independence. In each case, I'm learning to let go learning what it means to be a father and a son in these situations, with my dad gone and my only son going out on his own. And by letting go of them, I'm finding more of me. And in this discovery, there's freedom and peace. And that's the Full Circle Fatherhood Report. I'll post it soon 
on my blog at thegratefuldad.org. Can't Let Go, says Lucinda Williams. That's actually a live version uh, off of one of those uh, radio studio discs. I just I liked how that one sounded a little more pure. Lucinda Williams, I think the original appears on uh, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Mm-hmm. She is one of the high priestesses of alt-country music, huh? It reminds me that I didn't say what was happening on this show in mid-November, or mid-December, but just uh, check the email I send, get on my list, or just uh, know that it's the premiere of uh, the Grateful Dad's uh, music show called Alt-Various. Alt-Various. Various alternative uh, artists that I'll play just to share my music as the year goes out. But today, I'd like you to meet uh, my guest. I, 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 the show is really titled after his book, To Be or Not to Be. Uh, John Penberthy brings the Zen buzz. And if you haven't seen this, you can go to the website To Be Book. So T O B E E Book. Com. John Penberthy was born with an insatiable curiosity that has made him an ardent student of life and spirit. His first conscious memory is that of being stung by a bee at age one. He grew up in South Florida, earned an MBA, and spent a decade doing market and economic research consulting throughout the Rocky Mountain region. Following a period of intensive spiritual exploration, John coordinated a vitamin A fortification. That's a blindness prevention project for the Helen Keller International in uh, Indonesia and later managed the Cache River Bio Reserve for the Nature Conservancy. His striving to see the divine in all things led him to write To Be or Not to Be, which came to him in a meditation. John lives in Boulder, Colorado with his wife and daughter, and after years of hoping to have this conversation, I am just so delighted to have author John Penberthy here with me today on the Grateful Dad Radio Hour. So, John, welcome again. Thanks, Doug. I'm glad to have you here. Um, I, I, I really, I, I led on to this earlier that as this show began to form, and in fact, it was uh, my friend and coach Edgar Papke, who be my guest uh, in just a couple of weeks, uh, who helped me think through how this show would get going. And one of the things uh, I think the exercises he assigned me was, we'll make a short list of who you'd want to have a conversation with, and. Being that the B book, to be or not to be, and that's B-E-E in case you're looking <laughs> it up, um, it's, it's, it's a book for beings who feel there's more to life than just making honey or money or something that rhymes there. And so I knew I wanted to have this conversation because from the first time that I got a hold of the original paperback, um, uh, self-published version of your wonderful book, I knew that there was a lot for us to talk about. But you know, I've done my little introduction of you, but I'd love to have you sort of embellish that a little bit, add on, follow on, um, a bit of your story, maybe declu- including a defining moment or two. It's, it's you know, who you are and what led up to this uh, book of yours that we came to talk about. Sure. Well, um, as you mentioned, uh, Doug, you were one of the first 
people to get uh, when I originally self-published this book. It's now in 15 languages, but when I uh, self-published the book, what, five years or so ago now, uh, I made a list of everyone that I wanted to get a copy of, and you were right at the top of the list, Doug, because <laughs> oh, no uh, I knew you would relate to it. Um, but uh, as far as my life is concerned, I've sort of always been an explorer, I guess uh, would be a sort of a good way to put it. I, I uh, as, as you mentioned, I grew up in South Florida. I was uh, a surfer. I, I, <laughs> I did not uh, participate in team sports, football or basketball or baseball. Uh, in fact, I remember one time uh, one of the coaches said, Pen Berthy, why don't you try out for the football team? <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> get yourself a concussion like the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. And, and I said, Oh, and I made up some excuse that my mother didn't want my braces to be messed up. <laughs> but, uh, I'm gathering the truth was that you'd rather catch a wave than a pass. Well, that's exactly right. And every day I drive by the, the practice stadium and see these poor guys out there in August and south, mm. south Florida heat and humidity sweating their tails off and mm-hmm. i thought no i'm i think i'm gonna go to the beach and and uh cool off and, and ride some waves oh nice so um but at any rate uh i i was raised a lutheran uh, i had i'm the oldest of uh of three children my uh, i have two younger sisters and my mother was a devout lutheran and uh i remember um uh, growing up and uh for two years, attended confirmation classes and thinking that when I was finally confir- confirmed that I would have some sort of a, of a realization or an inspiration or something that would, you know, uh, some sort of spiritual experience. And uh, uh, and so I, you know, ate the bread and drank the wine and nothing happened. And that was uh, that was for me sort of a, of a, of a disappointment. And I, I sort of spent the next uh, 15 years or so. Um, just, uh, sort of going through the, going through the, the, uh, religious motions, if you will, which I think so many people in our society do. Um, so, um, I guess it was about age 30, uh, that I, uh, was going through some intense, uh, personal spiritual exploration. I did the EST training for. Oh, yes. I heard seminar training. Yeah, they locked yeah, you in the room. Right, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> actually that, that was not the, That was a myth. Wasn't that was a myth. Okay. It was, <laughs> EST is short for it is in Latin. And, um, but anyway, I, I did that and, um, and did a lot of other sort of personal growth things and which eventually led to my, my, uh, uh, path on this uh, on the, the spiritual trail. So, so y- y- this path that is is unique to you, and yet you know not unfamiliar to so many folks. That you know, oftentimes the faith tradition we're raised in does not suit us. You know, it wasn't our choice. It was you know what we were born into and raised in. And I recounted last week, um, as you know, I was talking about the, uh, the, the Jewish Grateful Dead Fest that I'll be speaking at and, and sharing my, uh, crazy ideas that I have published and spoken about for years about Jewish deadheads. And I, I said the same thing to, uh, the guy who was calling in from the retreat center that, you know, the religion, the faith, the reform Judaism I grew up in did not, the, the word spiritual would never be connected with the organized religion I was, I I grew up in. And, and I've been able to find, you know, somewhat, you know, pretty much within the, my faith tradition, a, um, 
a spiritual place that I find, you know, quite compelling and very satisfying, mystical and, and, you know, that there is, um, you know, divine in, in so much. How do you characterize the path that yours took and, 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 um, how does it then kind of show up as you, you, uh, come to this book we're here to talk about, to be or not to be? What, what's the yeah. path of, of spirituality that leads to a, a very spiritual book? Um, well, you know, I think for each of us, uh, we each have our own spiritual path and it's just a function of, uh, who we happen to meet, what books we happen to read, what TV we happen to watch or movies we happen to see or concerts we happen to go to, whatever. Um, but, um, you know, for me, it was uh, probably the the big thing was uh, taking uh, a class called A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. And that, that had a very profound impact on me. I sort of think of A Course in Miracles as uh, Buddhist Christianity. Okay. And, um, a nice, a bridge between what you were raised in and a tradition yeah. that we don't get exposed to that much in gen- generic American society, the, you know, kind of Zen Buddhism, the, you know, to be here now. Right, right. And, um, uh, as you mentioned, you know, so often we inherit our religion from either from our parents or from society. And, uh, Course in Miracles to me was sort of a real opening. And, um, it, that led to my, uh, a very deep, intensive spiritual exploration to, uh, in 19, oh, I, some, I guess it was the late eighties. Uh, took a trip to India and visited Sai Baba, uh, who, you know, the great, uh, spiritual, uh, guru over there and saw some. For real? Yeah, saw some just amazing, amazing things that blew my mind and which I, to this day, will never be able to understand. It's sort of beyond, uh, in fact, I remember my mind sort of went into this overload of, uh, does not compute, does not compute. So, so, Part of your path, and and you know, I, I hope that it doesn't cause anybody to, you know, chuckle or or you know, in any way rebuff the message. Because to me, you know, you did something that we've heard of, that we've we've you know talked about, thought about, and and, and yet you did it. I've I've never heard anybody who's been to India who didn't say that it was a powerful, transformative, life changing place simply to visit. And you didn't just do it as a tourist. You went on a spiritual journey and you literally did find an evolved being. uh, You know, I mean, I'm picturing you, you know, and before a man with robes sitting at his feet learning exactly what it was. And, and, you know, that image has become cliche. And yet, you know, we're here to talk about a book you wrote that came to you as I just read in your introduction during a meditation and to me this book doesn't get written and your life doesn't transform and you don't become a meditator and and have deep revelation were it not for this this path you were on this trip you took um so so you know is it is it zen buddhism is it is it a hybrid of other eastern religions is it is it unique to what you uh, do as an individual? You know, I think it is a hybrid for me. I, I, I mean, people sometimes ask me, well, do you consider yourself to be Buddhist? Buddhist? And I uh, and I certainly feel like I'm very deeply Buddhist-inspired. Mm. But, um, you know, uh, for example, do you believe in God? You know, we, we all get asked that question uh, during our lives. And, we do. And um, for me, I can't 
respond to that question without um, uh, asking a, a, a question in return, and that is define God. Uh-huh. You know, what is your definition of God? Uh, if your definition of God is the the big spiritual human being in the sky who pulls the strings and oh yeah, with the long white beard, right, right. sitting on high right. and casting exactly. you know on on everybody their fate, right? Okay, then that's that's not the God I believe. Not in. so much. But uh, if uh, but uh, at the same time I do believe in some very profound spiritual force that I will never ever and none of us will never ever be able to comprehend. Can't define, can't know, and yet it's, among other things, it's faith that tells us, yes, there's something there bigger than us. I'm beginning to see um, the book to be or not to be taking shape as I hear your story. John Penberthy is my guest today. He's the author of To Be or Not to Be, a a book for beings who feel there's more to life than making honey. And the honey reference is because to be or not to be is spelled with double E because we're talking about those uh, worker bees and there's a bit of a zen buzz in the studio already. You can learn more on the break if you uh, go to the website to be book so t o b e e book dot com and it's where you can pick up your uh, gift copies and and even start reading the book online today if you like. When we come back, John, I want to uh, jump off from that point of meditation in your life and how this book came from a meditation and then we'll give listeners a little taste of the book you're listening to the grateful dad radio hour this is milehighradio.com where you've pointed your browser i'm doug gertner the grateful dad my guest today john penberthy the author of to be or not to be as uh, we go to break i would just say feel free to sit in the lotus position or uh, buzz around wherever you are because you'll hear more about the b book and actually um uh, meet the uh, the 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 hero, the main character, Busby. Right after we come back from these messages, stay tuned. This is the Grateful Dad Radio Hour on MileHighRadio.com. Hey, we're back with the Grateful Dad Radio Hour right here on MileHighRadio.com. I'm Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad, your host, and my guest today, John Penberthy, the author of To Be or Not To Be. I call it the B-Book or the To Be Book, and that's uh, also where you can learn more. You can get a copy. You can uh, download a copy for free at ToBeBook.com. So uh, when I introduced John a moment ago, uh, I, I, I mentioned just, you know, and I know this because uh, you've written about this, that um, this book, this, this you know, full story that, that we'll get into in a minute, you say came to you in a meditation. We were talking before we went to break about a spiritual path that you found yourself on, literally, that took you, among other things, to the feet, the, the feet of a great guru in India and to a uh, spiritual practice that very much you know, acknowledges and, and appreciates and, and, uh, owes to a divine presence in, in, in our life. And yet, you know, you practice as you practice and it includes meditation. So say a little more about that if you would. And, and I'd love to kind of get how this book came together yeah. while you were meditating. Sure. Well, um, I mentioned the, my trip to, to India to visit Sai Baba and a couple of weeks after I returned, uh, I was meditating one morning, and all of a sudden, just like a the only, the best way I can describe it is like a computer download. It's like zap, and all of a sudden, 
there was the whole story. Uh, it's no, nothing has ever been easier for me in my life. I mean, you, you know, you hear about these sorts of instances and read about them, but uh, nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Um, but uh, it was something that uh, demanded to be put onto paper. I had no idea it would ever become a book. Uh-huh. I just wrote it for my own personal pleasure and because it it compel it was a good compelling story. And uh, so I did write it, and um, oh, you know, it only took three or four weeks. It's it's not a long book, um, and um, that was way before it came to press. I mean, you mentioned that yeah. I have one of the earliest versions, which I think was two thousand six, right? Um, and you know, initially self published, as so many of us do. But the idea here is. Um, it came to you, and then it was years in the making. How is it that you finally brought this story from a meditation to just something you wrote because it was, as you say, downloaded to you from a source yeah. you cannot begin to identify, but you're you know, channeling it to something that I hold in my hands and that people can go to the website or Amazon and get a hold of themselves? Right. Um I uh, I showed after I wrote the book or the story mm-hmm. I I showed it to a few people and they said wow this is great you ought to get this published and I thought oh okay well I'll I'll give that a shot and <laughs> and I sent off I think about forty copies of the manuscript to all these New York uh, literary agents and had zero interest oh boy zero interest this is a familiar story I've heard this many times uh, yeah, as well but right. that's how they treat you yeah yeah exactly and um, so I thought. Well, what's left? I, the only way, other way that I can get this out to the world is is uh, through self-publishing, and uh, so I had a website made. I had uh, several thousand copies of the book printed up, and um, um, and uh, once that was done, I I started putting the word out, and and even that was very difficult. I mean, I think in a period of about three or four months, I sold four hundred and some odd copies, which is Disappointing, but then I, I got the break, and I, you know, this is something that just was pure luck, or uh, I don't know what. But um, I, I was reading a book called *The Complete Guide to Self-Publishing*, and toward the end, they talked about subsidiary rights, and uh, so I thought, well, I'll give that a shot. So then I got online and researched uh, all the um, how to go about that, and I and I put together lists of uh, literary agents all over the world, started sending out emails to them along with a link to the website that I had previously made. And the very next day, I got a hit, and um, that which resulted in a, in a contract that was uh, Korean was my first... Uh, I remember this, yeah, yes. Yeah. Suddenly, the B-book is in Korea. Right. Well, whether in, in English or Korean or any of the other 15 languages that it's been published in, um, the only one I can understand is English. So I wonder if I could huh. get you to um, introduce us to to Buzz B by just starting at the beginning, um, chapter one, and 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 how it all all begins. Yeah, the beginning is always a good place to start. That's what they say. <laughs> um, it was just the kind of day that Buzz B loved most: warm in the sunlight, cool in the shadows. The earth was still damp from the previous afternoon's thunderstorm, and the clover was exquisitely succulent. Dandelion yellow speckled the lush green meadow in every direction, with poppy orange thrown in for good measure. 
It contrasted with the deep blue sky in a way that pleased Buzz beyond words. The air hummed with the sound of honeybees, bees scouring just the, the meadow for just the right blossom, bees dipping into flowers for their nectar and pollen, and bees returning to the hive laden with their nutritious bounty. It was a very industrious scene, Buzz thought, if you stop to think about it. As he observed the activity around him, Buzz's mind drifted off into that secret, otherworldly place it loved to explore. Although his eyes were open, the scene before him gradually faded from Buzz's awareness. Why did anything exist? How did it happen? Why were they here? What was the point of it all? Who was he, really? A passing worker jolted him back to the task at hand. Let's go, Buzz. There's work to do. <laughs> so from those very existential questions... <laughs> Why did anything exist? How did it happen? Why were they here? What was the point of it all? And who was he really? He gets jolted back to, there's work to do, Buzz. Story of my life. Um, but, 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 you know, so here's Buzz B and he's a little bit different than all the other worker bees because even in the midst of his toil, he's asking these big and these deep questions and 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 he catches a lot of grief for it you know he does from the from the the get-go yeah. and and along the way you know he's he's um he, he is taking grief as the early story goes on and you know i don't want to pivot to sports because it's too easy to go there but <laughs> you know i think about a, a a football player recently who just had enough of the abuse he was taking and walked away from his football team but here's buzz who takes a little flight deep into the woods to just get away from the hassles and and the grief that he's taking. And there he encounters an older bee named Bert. And I love the description where, you know, you can tell he's a little older because one of his antennae is a little cockeyed and he's clearly, you know, been around the block a few times. Got some gray. Yeah. And, and you know, if you, you would, without necessarily going back to read, because I want, I want the listeners to have a chance to read this, but... Tell us a little about this uh, this gentle bee he encounters, this elder named Buzz, and where the story goes as a result of our our, our kind of our protagonist uh, Buzz Bee, who actually um, you know is 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 thinking more and differently and asking questions that nobody really wants him to ask, and then he encounters somebody who gets him, who who really understands him in a way he's probably never been understood before. To say more about yeah. the character Bert and what it means. Yeah for this encounter between two uh, like-minded bees. Well, I think the first thing you can tell right off the bat is that at some point in his life, Bert was probably a lot like Buzz is now. Uh-huh. And he's been through the ringer, and he's come out the other side, and uh, he's, um, you know, he's he's got the wisdom to show for it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh so Buzz suddenly finally feels like he's encountered someone who understands him. He start, and he begins asking him questions, and um, Bert doesn't always give direct answers. It's, a lot of times it's sort of uh, indirect. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there are a lot of uh, aphorisms in the book, which uh, there are. I want to get to some of those. Here's the first sort of piece I think of wisdom that he imparts and I'd love you to make better sense of it even though it makes sense to me as I hear it so so um, Bert tells Buzz this 
Don't be concerned about them, the others who are giving you grief buzz. They're doing what feels right to them, just like you. Try to be more understanding. He says, the power of the mind lies in perceiving differences. The power of the heart lies in perceiving similarities. Which power are you using, he asks. Yeah. Wow. The power of the mind lies in perceiving and seeing differences, but the power of the heart lies in perceiving similarities. There's there's something going on there. Can you unpack yeah, that for me at all? Yeah. You know, um, there's probably, I don't know, 15 aphorisms in the book, and that's the one that people continually uh tell me that they enjoy and appreciate the most and the one that had the greatest impact on them. Um, and it's, it's basically don't be so judgmental. Yeah. You know, it's about uh, not everybody's, you know, you're different from them and they're going to be diff- different from you. And, you know, you just got to sort of go with the flow and mm-hmm. follow your own heart and don't worry about, about uh, the rest of the, of the hive. It's a, it's a it's a marvelous teaching, and it it you know it comes in this case in in your book to be or not to be from uh, a wise elder bee to a young bee who's searching, and I've seen it you know one of my teachers, Reb Zalman Shakter Shalomi, has helped me appreciate that there's similarities more similarities between faith traditions and religions than there are differences yeah. if we look for them, and I love that yes. message, and and throughout the book, um, Bert imparts this wisdom on buzz um you know much the way you sat at the feet of a teacher in india who Mm. changed your life Uh, here's kind of a funny follow-up question if you don't mind a lot of times you know a fiction author kind of acknowledges Mm. the autobiographical aspect to a character or main character a situation in their work i got it i you know i mean it finds it seems almost silly to ask you as we talk about this bee named buzz but to what extent is buzz b and his search for meaning actually the john penberthy story 100%. 100%. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely me. And, uh, you know, uh, that my uh, writing the book and my visit to India had come at the, uh, oh, after, you know, several years of deep spiritual exploration and some, some dissat- finding dissatisfaction in my life. And, um, and it was, it was re- a real turning point for me in terms of, uh, uh, you know, reaching a point, the, the, or at least uh, the point that I'm at now in my life, where I feel much more relaxed yeah. and much, much more at ease and more fulfilled and more satisfied, and uh, things don't seem quite as uh, intense as they once did. One of the messages, one of the takeaways for a reader, besides just enjoying a great read, to be or not to be, which is a great read. I read it to Jordy as a little guy, and, and I mean, there's a whole other story in that because I had a little philosopher existentialist at a very early age, and mm-hmm. so I knew that he would relate to Buzz at a very deep level. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the takeaways is that. In our search for meaning, which all of us, in, you know, go through if we really have the pri- privilege and the the, uh, the 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 nerve and the guts and the bravery to listen to the questions that that we have and to pursue answers, it it helps to find others, elders, enlightened ones, people who can help us gain the wisdom that we seek along the path. Um, 
you've captured some others in here, and I wonder, you know, what are some of your favorite, you know, you call them aphorisms, which I think I can spell that, and I think I know what it means, but I know them when I hear them. So mm. let me hear some more wisdom from from Buzz, uh, from Bert B to Buzz B in terms of uh, the voice that that uh, comes through in the B book. Well, you mentioned the, the fact that I had, um, you know, sat at the feet of Sai Baba and probably gone through this experience myself. And, in fact, one of the um, uh, aphorisms in here came straight from the mouth of Sai Baba, and that is, life is a journey from I to we. Life uh, is a journey from I to we. Okay. Expand, please. Okay. Well, you know, I think we get so wrapped up in ourselves uh, and, and about our own personal happiness and uh, that we we sometimes uh, you know tend to forget others and um, uh, the truth is is that we're all a part of this one larger greater entity call it life call it the earth call it whatever you want um, but it's uh, you know I think we is the goal much more than I. That collective, uh, that, 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 that collective consciousness and the, 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 the we is greater than the I and life as, as your teacher said to you and as the teacher Bert B said to the student Busby in your book, life is a journey from I to we. And, and, you know, I, I appreciate that every time I hear it and read it. And as you say it today, I realize, you know, that my own recent journey had me turning inward to, to try to make sense mm-hmm. of th- some things. And now as I turn outward, even this, this month of mine, the great Thanksgiving where I've given away all of these free gratitude workshops, mm-hmm. just trying to say, you know, I had a good year last year. People paid me plenty to come in and share what little wisdom I had with their groups. And this year I've got some other, you know, insights that, um, you don't need to pay me i want to share them with the the collective we so well you know that's uh exactly what i do with with the book i offer uh on my website you can download the book readers can download the book book for free um i noticed that yeah and people say well what are you doing that for you're you're, i was gonna ask you that what are you doing that for (laughs) you're giving away all your profits and and i and the, the truth is is that there's really sort of uh, two goals here. One is, of course, to make money, and I like to make money as much as the next guy. Yeah. But um, uh, I have, I have. But another one is that I want to get the word out. Mm-hmm. I want to spread the gospel, so yes. to speak. You know. Well, and yes. and um, uh, what I have found is that uh, to be or not to be is a uh, has been proven to be a very strong gift book. And typically, what will happen is someone will read it online. And they'll say, "Oh, this this is this, this book would be great for so and so," and they'll buy a copy or two, and uh, to give to someone or to read to their child or grandchild or whatever. Yes. So people uh, are perking up. Oh, I can get it for free. That website again is Two B Book, and the B has double E, like Buzz and Bird and all the other Bs in it. So it's T O B E E. B-O-O-K, 2bbook.com. It's available uh, as a free ebook download, and you can also order copies there and on Amazon.com because, yes, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful book. Um, the, the illustrations are particularly wonderful, and one of the things that I like um, about the uh, online version that's di- different than the uh, uh, self-published 
uh, softback that I have is that the the online version, uh, the illustrations are in color. Mm. Lori Barrows is the illustrator, and she just you know the 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 vibe that she brings with these they, they, they sort of seem like uh, water color uh, drawings, uh, many of them in the book. Um, or, or some kind of like Japanese style calligraphy. Tell me about uh, the illustrator Lori Barrows, how you hooked up with her, and what you think that that her illustrations add to the book, to be or not to be. Well, that's another rather amazing uh, coincidence, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, looking for an illustrator. I put uh, an ad in Craigslist, and I forgot to ch- ch- to uh, check Denver. Uh-huh. So it went to people in San Francisco, which is sort of the, the uh, default. Yes. If, or at least it was at that time. And Lori, so Lori was one who responded. And um, uh, so we, uh, I mean, there was probably six or eight different people who had done sample illustrations. and uh, But Lori was, was the only one who got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, so, so you, you very, shared very the lucky. book, you shared the book with potential illustrators and they gave you some mock-ups and you saw the kind of drawings that we see that ended up in the book and just knew this, yeah. this illustrator gets it. Um, and, and that's how it, it played out. And so it adds so much. And as I say, so we're going back to 2006 would have been when I got the, the first uh, mm-hmm. self-published copy in my hands. Does that sound right? Yeah. So I'm reading it to, I guess, an eight-year-old. Um, and as I say, he, he already, my son Jordy was already a philosopher. I mean, I remember at a very early age, he would kind of say these quirky things like, why am I here? And, and who are, who am I? And it was his grandmother. I mentioned, uh, Granny Pepper to, to Haas earlier because she's a music publisher in LA who turned me on to, uh, the Sunset Strip, uh, collection that I played from earlier. And she, as a grandma, was kind of like, what's going on with my grandson? She's like, Jordy, why do you ask those questions? But as his dad, I was kind of intrigued and I said, you know, son, I want to tell you something from the philosophy I studied in college. Those questions you're asking are called existential questions, and they, um, they, they, existentialism is one sort of branch and one approach to philosophy. And I kid you not, John, you know, he resonated with your book so much, and at a very early age, I told you he went to a school where they asked the kids, each individual kid, what would you like to be studying if you had a choice, because you do, and then they made a unit, and I had as like a first or second grader, he was studying philosophy at his level. And a little bit above, because there's not a lot of first grade uh, philosophy texts out there. <laughs> but, you know, how gratifying it is, I think, to, for me to watch how mm, affirming it must have been. It clearly was for my son to be met where he was and taken seriously rather than told, as Buzz was by so many people in this book, quit act, asking questions and get back to work. And as a little right. kid, they say to you, you know, quit asking those questions and get back to work and study your timetables mm-hmm. and, and learn your grammar and learn your handwriting. And my son was being told both at home and at school, go you know what? <laughs> yeah. Say, what, how did you put it? Yeah, go for it. Go for it, man. Yeah. And and he's so a, he's a lucky kid. He, he, he is. is he is. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's made me a very lucky, grateful dad. He's a grateful kid. And we, you know, as a family, we're grateful that we got a hold of your book. So that's why I wanted you to come by today. And, and uh, the, the book is called mm-hmm. To Be or Not to Be. It's a book for beings who feel there's more to life than just making money. And, you know, we don't have a lot of time left, but th- th- there's a point. I wonder if it ever got controversial, John, because at one point, um, 
Buzz encounters folks who are doing religion in a very traditional way. The bees who gather to worship essentially what sounds like mainstream religion. You know, there's a deity who tells us that if we follow their teachings, we will be saved. We will be redeemed in the hereafter. And Buzz says, huh? Yeah. Let me ask you a few questions, yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't land very well. Any pushback, any problems that people have? Because in this book, you know, not only do the aphorisms take us to a very deep and contemplative place, but it also challenges the kind of the you know dogmatic uniformity that much organized religion is all about. Well, the simple answer to that is yes. There was some some pushback, uh-huh. uh, not much, but. Um, I can remember one instance, for example, where um, I got a call from some school district of all places that that, <laughs> that wanted to uh, uh, somehow they they had uh, being or uh, or bees or something is uh, is some theme for a new program that they were about to launch. And um, I I told her right up front. I said I said I think you should read the entire book before you <laughs> extend this invitation to me. And uh, she never she never called back. She never called back. <laughs> so. and, and you know, it's okay. Yeah, bless her heart because yeah. really, it's not for uh, everybody. It's not for everybody. I mean, I do think the book is for everybody. Because everybody does have free will, determination, the ability to ask those deep questions. It's just not everybody doesn't have. The nerve to do it, the, 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 mm. the, you know, I mean, Buzz took a risk, my son took a risk, you took a risk in asking these questions and writing this book. And I try to not be on auto buzz all the time myself, but to ask the questions, even if the path to the answers is going to be difficult and easy, not so easy and, and, you know, at times fraught with despair and, and difficulty. Um, you know, I, I think you and I clearly agree that asking those questions um, is the right path to take. Well, you know, that and that in a nutshell, uh, Doug, was my primary goal in writing this book was to get people to think deeper, mm-hmm. to, to question themselves, to question their beliefs and just to think deeper yeah. and, and, to, and to follow that and go wherever it may take them. And what better time than the holiday season ahead? I want to offer a little suggestion. It'll seem like, you know, shameless promotion for my friend and my guest today, John Penberthy, who is the author of To Be or Not To Be, the B book, as I like to call it, or tobebook.com, where you can read the whole thing as a free downloaded ebook. And I'm going to encourage you to get copies of it from there, from amazon.com because it makes a great gift. As you said, you can give it away and people can read it for free, but they'll recognize what a great gift it can be. So I'm going to um, suggest that people go to tobebook.com and get a hold of that. While we're talking about gifts and books, I want to make sure that you have a copy of the book that I give as a parting gift to all of my guests, Ordinary Men, Extraordinary Lives, Defining Moments, edited by uh, Dr. Jim Sharon, who was my guest just a few weeks ago on the show leading up to the Whole Man Expo. So um, my copy for you, my friend. Thank you. Um, there's some wisdom in there as well, 40 soulful men kind of uh, burying their souls, writing about their defining moments, much as you did uh, John Penberthy's book, To Be or Not To Be, came to him in meditation. He wrote it down. He he worked with the story for years, took it out to the world, um, self-published, and ultimately found a publisher. And in 15 different languages, you can read it. The English language download is available at tobebook.com. 
before we have to go, um, and Doug, I might yes. just add one other thing. Please do. If uh, anybody anybody wants uh, languages other than English, they can email me because uh, I've got copies and oh, know, good. all 15 so they, languages. You so. can pass along yeah. the free download. Yeah. Well, um, I, I had originally planned to kind of ask you for a parting piece of, of wisdom from Busby or Burt B and the B book, and I think, you know, one of uh, those aphorisms might be just uh, the way to take us out. All right. Well, let me look at the list here and see what's what one strikes me. Um, well, this is another Zen one. Yes, of course. <laughs> It's perfect that we think that life is imperfect. I love that. You know, that is on page 48 of my book because I had marked it as one to bring up (laughs) as well. Uh, Bert B. says to Buzz B. in the B. book, it's perfect that we think life is imperfect. It's perfect that we think life is imperfect. little mind twister there. Yes. As our minds twist, we're going to have to bring an end to this edition of the Grateful Dad Radio Hour. Um, John Penberthy, thank you so much for being here after reading the book, reading it to my son. I'm so grateful that we could come and talk about it here, the background as well as uh, what you've uh, offered folks today. So thank you again for being here. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, the Grateful Dad Radio Hour comes to you every Monday at 1 o'clock Mountain Time on Mile High Radio. Radio.com. I'm Doug Gertner, the Grateful Dad, so delighted to host uh, and, and so delighted to have you here. Tune in uh, next week for a discussion of Jewish deadheads. And on December 2nd, our second anniversary show, Edgar Papke is here to talk about his new book and to play music live in the studio. Until we meet again, I am just so grateful to you for tuning in. And I would remind you to always be grateful. Bye now.